everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, the big show, the most important, critical show that is recorded in our automobile. Today. Today. I'm Spice. I'm <coughs> coughing. He's coughing. I'm coffee. <laughs> She's Spice. I'm coffee. And we have a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful day going on outside. It's The trees are covered in gorgeous ice. Fortunately, the road is covered in gorgeous not ice. And we're on the road, off on the road to mid-Missouri today. We've got a special, special topic for you today because we're, Spice is in the middle of at least a two-part series, probably a two-part series, of talking about bleeding, which we don't want to do. I mean, we want to talk about it, but we don't actually want to bleed. So basically what we're talking about is bleeding control and how to control bleeding, especially in an emergency and serious situation. So, without further ado, I'm going to let her speak about it because she knows what she's talking about, and I just know what a Band-Aid is. <laughs> I've been doing a lot of research on it because, actually, you want to have everything close at hand, easy to get to, know where it is, know what you want to do. Because if you have never had to deal with any organism that is bleeding faster and more vigorously than you've seen before, you might be surprised at its ability to rattle you. Warm blood coming out on your hands rattles a lot of people who didn't know they would be rattled by that. So you keep that in mind. You have a plan ready to go, so all you have to do is implement your plan. First thing is sterile gauze and compression is the best across the board. For stopping major bleeding. So, unless it is something that you think is life-threatening and difficult to compress, the recommendation is usually just to use a compression bandage on it with plenty of gauze packed on top. And when the gauze gets all nasty and blood-soaked, you do not take it off. You leave it there and pack more on top of it instead. Is, Is it time for me to interject yet? Feel free. Okay. One of the tools that we have and that we recommend, although thankfully we've never had to use it in earnest, is the Israeli compression bandage. In fact, we're going to do a complete article on the Israeli bandage. I just ordered several more, and I get mine are the actual Israeli Defense Force issue compression bandages. And that's basically all they are is the bandage itself, the... Uh, gauze that goes around it, set up in a configuration to make it easy to turn it into any something just short of a tourniquet, if necessary. It's actually better than a tourniquet. Because let's... Yeah. So, yeah. Tourniquets, you, tourniquets are a whole different matter, and she'll get into tourniquets. You, tourniquets are a whole different thing. You don't want a tourniquet unless you have to. And if you but, have to, you really want a tourniquet. Yes. <laughs> but if you have to, you absolutely do want to do... Uh, the problem with the tourniquet is it shuts off all blood flow to the extremity. And extremities survive that pretty well, but they won't survive indefinitely with no blood flow. You'll have some permanent damage. And you also risk nerve damage because of how tight you have to put a tourniquet on to make it work. So tourniquets are a good idea if somebody has, you know, chopped their hand off by being stupid with a chainsaw or something. Yeah, you're going to need a tourniquet on that. Or car wreck. Yeah. Where, you know, that just happens. Yeah. 
or somebody shoots you in your femoral artery. Let me tell you a quick story. There was a man once considered to be, well, it was considered by Jefferson, ooh, ice just fell on us, um, considered by Jefferson Davis to be the greatest general in the world. A man named Albert Sidney Johnson. He was a Confederate general, and his first big battle was the Battle of Shiloh. Now, Albert Sidney Johnson, during the battle, he saw a bunch of people needing medical attention, so the general sent his personal surgeon with his surgical kit off to the field hospital to help out with the, you know, the casualties because Shiloh was a bit of a bloodbath. Well, he got out in front of his troops trying to lead a assault towards the hornet's nest, and he got plinked by one of his own men in the leg. And normally that kind of a wound where it didn't actually, you know, shatter the bone and stuff like that really wouldn't have been, even back then, that big of a deal, except for it got the artery. It got the main artery in his vein. And it did not take long before, you know, he, he, he knew he was hit, but he really didn't know. A lot of times people in battle, they say, they know they're hit, but they're not really sure where or how because of the shock value of it. But he was hit in the, in the in that vein. Now, had he had a surgeon there, even a nineteen or an eighteen sixty surgeon, and had he had a tourniquet there, a quickly applied tourniquet would have been at worst he would have lost his leg and then faced the infection, of course. But most people survived that, and there's a good chance that the surgeon could have repaired the artery because they they could do that and not even lose his leg. But he did not have a tourniquet there. And all he had were his military aides who had no idea how to fix it because their military aides are not doctors. They didn't realize the seriousness. Yeah, they, but his boot was absolutely full of his blood. And he died right there on the field, blood to death. A perfect example of when you need to have a tourniquet, it needs to be applied. Even actually, he... The Israeli bandage direct compression probably would have saved his life. If I were to be transported back in time with the trauma kit, that's okay. I'm, I haven't bought the quick clot yet because I just read up on this stuff this week. It is kind of with weird. the uh, yeah. two weeks from now. How my my car kit's going to be if I'm transported back in time to where Sidney Johnson is hit. And I decide to save his life because he's a Confederate, and that's kind of questionable. Yeah. I'll, I'll take oh, his he was, parole. He was all right. I'll he take was... his parole to never, uh, never fight in this war again, and then I'll <laughs> save him. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Knowing that guy, he'd probably say, "Let me die." <laughs> now, whether you'd save Bedford Forrest, that's a completely different idea. <laughs> mm. Sorry, no. Bedford, you're sorry, on your yeah. own. Sorry, Nathan. You were a great general, but sorry, you're you're going to croak. Yeah, I'm. Not using a tourniquet there. I'm, I'm using a combination of a clotting aid and an Israeli bandage on that. Which they had neither of. No. They had a tourniquet. But if you think, if there's no limb to save, then putting on a tourniquet is going to stop the blood flow, and you might as well go ahead and do it. But that is pretty close to the only time you really want to use a tourniquet. And you really need to know what you're doing to use it. You need to have been trained on a tourniquet. Yeah, although I mean, if you haven't been and somebody has lost the leg below the knee and they're bleeding out, feel free to try anyway. 
because you're not going to do them any real harm at that point, and you might yeah. do them good. But if you're using a modern tourniquet that comes into medical kits, you really actually have to be trained, or you don't even know how to use it. I mean, they, they're not intuitive, the modern. I mean, they, once you see how they work, yes, they, they're not that hard. But they're not just, oh, you take this, you wrap it around, and you're done. It's not that easy. So we've never actually done a tourniquet practice because, well, first of all, I don't really want a tourniquet on me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we have one in our medical kit, certainly. But, yeah. you know. Now, we have stuff in our medical kit. And we're going to actually, we've been talking about doing this. We're going to actually start pulling stuff out of our medical kit, taking a picture of it, and then doing an article how to use it. And why we have it in there. Now, we're not going to do all that stuff. I mean, we've got some some uh, Band-Aids with the, uh, Angry Birds on them, I think. And we have some He-Man Band-Aids. We're not going to teach If your toddler gets a scratch, yeah. there you go. There you go. I think you, you can figure you that one out. You little cartoon Band-Aid. We're not going to go through that. <laughs> Although you could actually go through that. And a lot of people would learn something about how to properly clean a simple scratch. So to reduce the... Uh, chances of it getting infected. That's a different story, but it's probably different than what most people know. Yeah, we've already got some stuff on that on the website, in fact. It's called okay. Debridement. Oh, yes, Debridement. Yeah, we have a Debridement article. So, yeah, look under Debridement. And it's just basically about, you know, clean. how to keep infection away and, and clean up wounds. It's it's something that, you know, a, a minor scratch is not a big deal. Unless it gets an effect, infected where you cannot get antibiotics. Or you're in a situation where... You gets infected by an antibiotic resistant strain. That yep. can all of a sudden a Mercer's minor injury can kill you. So that's good. I mean it's bad, but you know. So cleaning the wound is critical. Hot soap, fresh water. <laughs> Wait a minute. Fresh soap, hot water. Can I get back to the topic now? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was my digression. I'm allowed one. Yeah. So uh Oh, uh, yeah. Unless you think it's that, unless you think it's life-threatening and nothing else stops it, you don't use a tourniquet. If it is on a limb, you can probably stop it without a tourniquet by using a compression bandage. The difference between the Israeli bandage and the standard compression bandages, standard compression bandages like the Army used for years and years, uh, just have ties that they have a gauze pad, and then they have ties, you wrap, 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 and then you tie the tie really tightly in the back to supply compression. And that is somewhat helpful, but the pressure over the wound isn't any higher than the pressure over the rest of the limb. The pressure is actually highest wherever you tie the knot on the strands you're using to hold the thing down. So the Israeli bandage is a better deal because it's got a pad, and then it's got elastic wraps attached to the top of the pad, but there's a pressure bar on one of them, which is basically just a slit. You put the pad over the wound... You wrap the elastic around once, you thread the elastic through the little pressure bar thing, you pull it back the opposite direction with the pressure bar right over where the wound is, and then you wrap it around a few more times and secure it. And what that does is the pressure bar is sitting right over the wound, you get a much higher pressure right over the wound that's bleeding than you get over the rest of the limb. So your toes are like, yay, blood flow, while the wound on your leg is like, much higher pressure and much more likely to stop the bleeding. Okay, you want one, the pressure in the wound to match the blood pressure if you've got a serious wound because that's what's going to stop the blood from flowing out. 
what I personally think everybody should do and what we've done in the past and we're going to do again when we get in a new order of these. And they are they do have a date on them, okay? But I'm not going to say you should always ignore dates, but really they're sterile gauze. So if they're if you're in date, I mean if I mean if the package is still sealed and it's vacuum sealed so you can tell if it's sealed or not. If the vacuum is still sealed, it's going to be sterile. And it's gauze. It's, you know, it's going to be probably, you know, it's dated because everything has to be dated. I think I figured out why it's dated, actually. Okay. The elastic in the wrap will oxi- it won't oxidize very fast in that package. It's probably good for a good long while. But that's the only thing in the whole setup I see realistically degrading over time is the elastic losing its elasticity. So you lose the ace bandage kind of effect. By the way, you can use Israeli bandages as ace bandages if you don't have a different one. You can use them as a form of splinting device if you don't have anything else or to wrap over the top of something. They also make a nice To provide sling. a splint. They make a nice or to sling. wrap around, yeah, slings. Or to wrap around a SAM splint to yeah. provide stabilization there. So they got multiple uses. And, you know, when you're doing something like that, the really good part about them is the variable amount of tension you can put on them lets you get them as tight as you want but not too tight like as a as a holding a splint um one thing that we we're buying more not because we need more but because i mean we want to you know keep them as ours are several years old so we're buying more and i'm going to take one of the old ones when it gets here and we're going to open it up and we're going to have everybody in the family which is just two of us, but if we were a bigger family, I would recommend doing this. Sacrifice one of them so that everybody in the family, stone cold, knows how how to put it on a wound. And so just sacrifice one, and then when you're done with it, keep it. Put it in a little baggie or something like that and keep it with your stuff so you can continue to use that going forward as a practice device. And every six months or whatever, you do a little reminder course. By the way, it's not a bad thing to put additional sterile gauze on top of the wound before you put the Israeli bandage on. Right. Especially if it's a a wound that's not surface, if there's kind of a a gap in the tissue there and it's bleeding into the gap, you'll get better pressure on the deep tissues that are actually doing the bleeding if you pack some gauze on there first. Right. So have plenty of sterile gauze on hand, too. And if it's not a limb, if it's like a torso or something like that, that's hard to wrap around, or it's really high on a limb where it's hard to wrap around, it turns out the... For, like, abdominal wounds, they recommend just regular compression bandaging, which is a big old pile of sterile gauze wrapped around by an ace bandage. Because there's, you don't, putting a pressure bar over a place on the abdomen is not the most helpful thing ever. So just a big old long ace bandage wrapped around a whole bunch of sterile gauze actually works quite well. Some say it works as well as an Israeli bandage, but it's a little more difficult to do. And it's way more difficult to do one-handed, so if you're trying to fix yourself up, the Israeli bandage is much easier. So I like the Israeli bandages, but nothing wrong with big pile of gauze and big old ace wrap on top of it as an answer either. Okay. Uh, the Israeli bandage is better at getting localized pressure over the side of the wound, so if that looks valuable in the kind of wound you got, that's your first choice. The clotting aids are used only when you're worried that the compression alone is not going to be enough to stop the bleeding. You don't use the clotting aids casually, even if you're made out of money. 
are there pros and cons to using them? Obviously, the pro is the aid in clotting. But what are some of the cons of the different kinds of clotting aids? Obvious is cost, because the good ones are about uh, 45 bucks a bandage. Uh, but if somebody's bleeding out, you don't worry about cost a whole lot. That's just a kind of a prepping concern, how much you put in. The There are several types. The older types, I wouldn't recommend any of the older types. So I'm not going to talk about them very much, except to mention one called Woundstat. Because when I first started reading articles on Woundstat, it sounded great. But I noticed they were old, so I checked for refresher articles on Woundstat. And guess what? The Army pulled them after two years of use. Because it turns out they were so good at causing clotting, some of the material from them was getting into the bloodstream and causing clotting in the blood vessels later on. Clotting in the lungs, clotting in the heart, clotting... That's not good. Clotting in the, That is stroke... <laughs> heart attack, and pulmonary embolism. That's not good. And none of those things are good things. Or just clots in the leg veins and stuff like that that can travel to the lungs and cause serious problems. They can cause ischemia into the legs. It's not your friend. You don't want your blood vessels clotting. So that was too much of a good thing. They, the, When the Army quit using them good enough for me, I'm not buying the uh, wound stat. Guys, that leaves three commonly available products on the market, and one hard-to-get kind of product that I ran across when I was doing the research for this guy. Uh, pretty old, but still pretty good, are the Ketosan products, like uh, Hemcon bandages have Ketosan in them. And anything that has Keto in the name, like Ketoflex, is a Ketosan product. These guys are actually mostly made of the crushed-up shells of arthropods, but hey, they work. They activate your clotting cascades, and they gum up the stuff. <coughs> Sorry. And the best way to get any of this stuff, you might find them as powders, but I recommend not buying them as powders. Because, yeah, they'll help stop the bleeding, but they're hard to apply in a real-life <coughs> situation. And they're hard to get out. So if you're not going to get to skilled medical care soon yeah picking that stuff out i might right just straight a, yeah you're gonna cause more problems i've heard that that is a real it is thing. it's better than bleeding to death but that's the only thing it's better than oh one thing i'm going to throw in here we have all this stuff in in the articles yeah. so if you're she said keto what what go to the go to the website look at the articles all this stuff is mentioned all of it's documented yeah as we record this one of the articles is up the other one's not yet written but right and the we, uh, the uh, like all of Spice's medical articles, we have uh, a references at the bottom. Yeah. So you're not, we're not just pulling this out of the air. There's actual references to scientific research and stuff that is at the bottom of the article. So I've had to deal with serious bleeding events a few times, but I am by no means an expert, and I'm not a physician. So this is coming from the medical research. Right. Not from the top of my head. Okay, we got the ketones thing. What else we got? Ketosan. Uh, second, which I would not recommend anymore, is stuff called zeolite, which is a that. kind of mineral that's been uh, ground up. Yeah, I've heard of that. The problem with zeolite is it does stop bleeding, but the reactions it uses to stop the bleeding are exothermic. That they means they generate hot. heat. They get hot, hot. You get burns Some on of, your... Some of the way they stop bleeding is by cauterizing yeah. from the inside. And that causes a lot of pain. It causes a lot more trouble in healing. 
again, it would be better than bleeding to death, but it wouldn't be better than not using it if you could stop bleeding any other way. Uh, the old style quick clot bandages before 2012 used that, and some other products used that as well. If it says zeolite, I'd avoid it because there's better out there. And the better is they found a different mineral that is has a little bit different mineral composition than zeolite. It's called kaolin. It's a powdered clay product, but it is not nearly as exothermic. It also triggers your own clotting proteins to form a clot, but it's not nearly as exothermic, so it doesn't have the heat problems to nearly the same extent as the zeolite does. The new versions of quick, st- uh, quick clot bandages, post-2012 quick clot bandages, so basically they tell me you're any, made with kaolin. Anything you're going to find on the market today through normal sources will be... Yeah. Uh, the, I think they put a five-year uh, expiration date on these. I'm not sure why it would expire at all, but they do put a five-year expiration date on them. This is what the Army is now giving out in its uh, individual medical kits and giving out extras to its medics. Is Let's, gauze impregnated with this stuff? They put it in their IFAC. We're going to do a, a complete article on our own version of the IFAC, IFAK. Um, not today. This is not a part of this because we're we don't actually use IFACs, but I think we're going to have them in the future. And, I mean, because we're not we're not tactical, man. We're just not. Ta- we carry a little bag. We don't have a little thing to hang from our chest rig with our armor plates taped to our backs and <laughs> all this kind of stuff. We're no. not tactical. I carry the stuff because I work with power tools in a place that's very far from medical service. Right. Now, something that I know has not been mentioned in her first article, and the second one isn't done yet, so I'm going to bring it up. Something that I found is critically important and something that if you're like me who just doesn't really pay a whole lot of attention to where stuff is put, to where, you know, like, okay, I think I saw that over in the... She's trying to hard not to laugh. I think I saw that over in that room over there a couple months ago. If you're like that, okay, two things. Don't be that way with your bleeding stuff. It needs to go the same place all the time, every time. And point two is it needs to be extremely easy to get to and fast. Don't put it on the bottom of a pile of a whole bunch of prepping stuff. It needs to be on top because if you are alone and if you are hurt and if you are stopping your own bleeding, you've got probably one hand or you're you're really damaged in some way. You need to be able to get to it easily. And so I keep we keep one of our medical kits with the bleeding stuff in it where it's always easy to, because it sits right next to the stove in the kitchen, because, frankly, you get hurt a lot in the kitchen with knives and stuff like that. And it's always where it is. And we can always get to it and slap something on it to, to control the bleeding for at least long enough to get out the bigger stuff. Yeah. I've got a car kit that sits right behind my driver's seat. I could reach back and reach it with one hand at any time. Mine does not. Mine sits in the in the blue box in the trunk. So I can't, I'll have to go to the trunk. But mine's sitting in the blue box in the trunk. My car tends to get really cluttered. And so I've got the blue box. The blue box is where I keep everything. Yeah. So, so that keeps my car from being cluttered so we can, you know, load it up like we're doing now with all of our gear for our uh, gig tonight. We're doing a gig. 
the recommendations are to buy this stuff as impregnated gauze. So you get the sterile banded, sterile packaging. The kaolin or whatever it is is already impregnated into the gauze. And they come in individually wrapped bandage packages. So you just grab a package, you rip it open, you slap the sterile gauze closest to the wound that's got the quick clot on it. You pack more sterile gauze that doesn't have the stuff over top. And then you wrap it up with a compression bandage or an Israeli bandage or whatever you're going to use. And you leave it sit there a good while because the clotting reactions take a while to get to their highest quality. If stuff is bleeding through, you generally just add more instead of taking off. Because if you start to pull stuff away when it's half clotted, you're just going to reopen it. And it's going to start bleeding again. Okay, one thing to keep in mind. Some of the stuff we're talking about is pretty expensive. And I get that not everybody can afford this. Yeah. I, I get that. You can afford gauze and an ace bandage, though. Yes, you can. And it's a good answer if you and use well. pretty much everybody can afford if you, I mean, it's not that expensive. I, I went on the bay and I bought some from Israel, um, fresh, in date. Israeli bandages, the four inches, which are the smaller ones, but they're, I mean, four inches is a pretty good size bandage yep. for three and a half bucks shipped from Israel. Yeah, three and a half bucks for a, for a single bandage is expensive. I get that. It is expensive. For but a you don't need them piece. often, and if you need them, you right. need them. Right. But you get three or four of those, and you're set as far as at least that level. And some packages of gauze. And some packages which of gauze. Which is also cheap. Right. Sacrifice one of them to learn how to use it, and you're good to go. You're good to go. So, we hope this has been helpful. Hope it didn't my digression didn't get you too far off. Hope you don't need it, but yeah, hope you. This is if you do, much better to know than not. It's really, really bleeding control is to me. After the preventative stuff, like get some exercise, like take care of your teeth, because that causes a lot of problems. Like, you know, the preventive stuff. Other than that, to me, one of the top two or three most important medical preps is being able to control bleeding, because that'll kill you. That'll kill you fast. That'll kill you fast. And it doesn't matter if it's a big drama worldwide emergency or some idiot texting when he tried to pass you in a car. You could need it at any time. Right. I'm going to leave this. I'm a football fan. For, you know, whatever, political, whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm a football fan. I love football. And right now we're going into the NFL draft. And I'm following what's happening. We're doing the group draft combines coming up next week. This is, you can tell when we're recording this. Um, so, you know, this is about that time of year. And they measure all of the abilities of all of these athletes as far as their athleticness. So you know how fast these guys run. You know how uh, strong they are. You know how tall they are. You know how what their weight is. You know all of these things. You know all of their abilities. But there's a very famous quote from an NFL uh, guru when asked, what is the number one ability that you require in an athlete? His response was, 
availability. You have to have availability. If you have this stuff and you can't get to it, it does you no good. Because a bleeding incident is something that's going to happen. It's a come-as-you-are emergency. It's going to be where it's going to be. And if you're not carrying at least one bleeding stop measure with you. It's going to be too late. It's going to be too late. Now, I mean, to the point of I can actually see carrying an Israeli bandage in my coat pocket. I never have, but I could see it. You know, people will talk, um, well, I'll, carry, I'll do a concealed carry of a firearm, right? Because I might get into a situation where, you know, I need a gun. True. I'm not, you know, I have a concealed carry license, so does she. Having said that, which are you most likely to get into, an active shooter event or somebody's bleeding heavily? Well, I've seen somebody bleeding heavily 30, 40, 50 times in my life. I mean, heavily. You know, and I've never been in an active shooter situation, pray I never will. Just a thought, you know, let's let's remember what, what are the things we're about at 3BY is trying to look at realistic understanding of threats. Yeah. This and a Sam Splint goes with me on hikes. Absolutely. And goes with you to the woods. Yep. And you if know, I'm cutting. When she's cutting, she carries bleeding stuff. That's, that's not only bleeding stuff, but the stuff to keep her from bleeding in the first place the, yes. the chainsaw chaps i'm absolutely wearing those because i'd rather not the safety gear the glasses yeah. the face shield she wears glasses anyway but she puts a face shield on just to keep the falling debris out of her eyes you know got the helmet she has ear protection she doesn't need the ear protection because we're using mostly non-powered tools or non she begs to yes. disagree because she has seen how people's peering degrades over time with normal life noise levels Okay, we're going to disagree on this because I've heard the <laughs> I've heard the chainsaw and it's just not very loud. It's no ah, louder. It's than... not that loud to you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's not any louder than the road noise we have sitting in this car. So, you know, oh gosh, she's putting on her hearing protection here in the car. <laughs> okay, that's what I wanted to say. Um, have it we, handy. Yeah, you we, really might need it. We keep coming back to threat analysis. Don't let your fears overpower your ability to understand what real dangers are you from surviving today until tomorrow. Okay? Active shooters are probably not very high on that list. But getting into a car accident, you know, that's something that could happen to any of us at any time. If you've ever wanted to be a superhero, you know, saving somebody's life. That'll make your day. Yes, sir. There yes, ma'am. I guess it is. Okay, we're gonna we're gonna stick a fork in this one and we'll catch you next time. Have a good one.